I think I'm having an art attack. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Art Attack with your host, art historian extraordinaire Lizzie Dastin and myself, Justin Bua. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the artist Basquiat, and we're going to be doing it by way of the movie Basquiat, written and directed by artist Julian Schnabel, uh, starring many, many people, including Benicio Del Toro, Dennis Hopper, Andy Warhol, who's not Andy Warhol, but David Bowie, <laughs> which he plays an incredible... Oh, phenomenal. Andy Warhol. Oh, Basquiat, everything you do is so good. So if you haven't seen the movie Basquiat, I would really highly recommend it. And Lizzie, why don't you kind of walk us into the life of Basquiat as we navigate the movie and reality of his artistic life and then back to the movie and all of the crossover intersections. Yeah, so the to me the most interesting thing about Basquiat's life is actually the blind spot of the film, which was his early working relationship with Al Diaz. And Al Diaz is still alive, living in New York, working, and the two of them went to high school together. And what high school was that? In New York? Yeah, oh, okay. I have no idea. Okay, cuz Brooklyn, Bas- I think. Brooklyn, okay, cuz he was he was a uh, Haitian, right? And he grew, I I didn't know if he grew up in New York or not. I couldn't figure that out. He did. He grew up in New York. I don't know if his early life was spent in New York, but he did go to high school with Al Diaz and Al was the one to teach him how to write graffiti because Diaz at the time was a graffiti writer and the two of them conceptualized Samo and they walked around the streets of Manhattan and Brooklyn writing these tags and we see the tags in the film But what's so interesting is that the mythology of Basquiat is that he did this all by himself. And it's very convenient for someone like Schnabel or for a historian to edit Diaz out. And I think that psychologically the reason that happens is because it's sexier, it's more seductive to think that somebody did something on his own. Right. And that was not the truth. And it's funny because the two of them, they were like 17 years old And they got in fights and they were petty arguments as happens in relationships when you're young. And so they would take to the streets using Samo as a way to vent the frustrations. So Basquiat would say, Samo is dead and Al Diaz sucks or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sort of strategy is really charming and it is also really gritty. And I wish that Schnabel had addressed it. And not only do I wish he had addressed it, but I wish that there had been more accuracy in acknowledging Diaz's role. That's a good point. But I also think like, you know, you have, I think the movie was like an hour and 46 minutes and you have only a certain amount of time to tell about someone's life story. So, you know, it opens up with, him as a kid and his mother uh, looking at a Guernica by Pablo Picasso in 1937. And as his mother is gazing upon the incredible black and white monolith of this socialist painting, she starts to cry. And he is clearly affected by that. Now, whether that's an embellished story or not, I really love it. I really think it's cool. Like, 
you know, as an early kid, Basquiat sees the significance of this painting that actually has a lot of graffiti qualities to it. A lot of hard lines, a lot of cool edges that geometrically pop and break dance into the compositional designs. So, you know, he's, he's, tell, he's taking a snapshot of his entire childhood, and then we fast forward to him sleeping in a cardboard box, you know, essentially. And so I get it. Like, I, I understand why Schnabel did it. it. And you're right. It is sexier uh, to, to edit him out. It's nice to see the genesis, but I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people take people's styles uh, artistically and run with it. And sometimes you get to the finish line first. You might be a shittier version of that guy, but you got there first. Or you were, you know, you were, you were at the right place at the right time, the right color of the skin, the right gender, the right age. Had the right charisma. And that's something yeah. about Basquiat that I haven't actually seen portrayed in any of the artistic renderings of his life is that apparently he was just so wildly charismatic that he could own a room. And we saw in this portrayal, which I thought was really fantastic, but it emphasized more the vulnerability and the naivete within the art world. And I think the reason Schnabel directed that way was to emphasize the difference between Basquiat, who represents this othered person in many ways. Firstly, he's racially othered. He is a black man in a white art world, a predominantly white art world, but also he was othered in his personality. And maybe that aligns him more with the Nandy Warhol, who was also sort of delicate and withdrawn. Yeah. And if you guys don't know the actor, I forgot his name, but he is the guy in Westworld. The brother in Westworld. I forgot his name. Oh, uh, he's also in Mocking Jay and all of those. He's things. such a good. He's Wait, actually. It's gonna come to me. He's such a good actor uh, that he really Kevin. does carry it. He's he's the the problem with his personality in the film is that he feels like I know he's on heroin. He's doing heroin. You know, starts out with weed and cigarettes, or whatever. He's drinking. He's a party guy. But eventually he, he gets into heroin. But I feel like at the beginning of the movie, he feels heroined out already. He kind of plays everything so casual, like he's so delicate. He's so, he is vulnerable. He is, uh, he's an empath. But at the same time, he's got an arrogance to him. There's a scene where, you know, an art dealer uh, asks him to, to move something. And he's painting in a gallery. And he's like, do you know who I am? And she's like, no, I, I don't know who you are. He's like, I'm Jean-Michel Basquiat. And she's like, uh-huh. Okay, so can you move that? And he's like, just walks out. Like, dude, I'm never going to stoop to that level, which is really what I like, you know, and it, it really addresses race uh, so much in the movie. And and let's be honest, well, Basquiat came at the right place at the right time. There were artists like, um, what's his name? Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright is the actor. Well done you, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright, you killed it. He's also Muddy Waters. This guy was a Cadillac Records great. So he's a he's he's a really great actor. You've got a lot of great actors. Dennis Hopper uh, plays a character uh, art dealer named Bruno. Uh, obviously, Andy Warhol is played by David Bowie, which is just fucking amazing. And Claire then, Forlani, and let's yes, not Claire forget Forlani. who is Basquiat's love interest. And my favorite performance is Parker Posey as Mary Boone. Yes, which. 
I just think she nailed it. But what's interesting is that we forget, or maybe the average viewer of the film Basquiat forgets, that Schnabel was an artist working contemporaneously with Basquiat. And they had a relationship, and so he is an insider. So in that respect, he sort of zoomed into the biography, and he is telling us, revealing to us these secrets. But then on the other hand, he zoomed out by directing and producing this entire film. And it's funny because he represents Mary Boone as this awful, obstinate, really unlikable character. And famously, he had a feud with her. And so I think that he's using the film in an understandable way, but in a possibly problematic way, to kind of put himself in as more of a character than we realize. But wait a minute. Was Gary Oldman, another incredible actor, by the way, uh, was he Schnabel in this? Who was he? I don't think he was listed a schnabel but maybe he was energetically a schnabel yeah okay because yeah, he was a know. really big artist slash comrade of warhol and uh and basquiat but let me let, let me finish so i i was getting into the fact that when basquiat goes into the uh to the dinner table and he sees warhol and bruno the big art dealer sit down he's like oh shit that's you know that's warhol that's that's his that's his icon he runs in there and he's got all of these pamphlets, which you think are pamphlets, but they're actually little small paintings. And he hands it out. And he's like, oh, what is it? And he goes, oh, it's my <laughs> ignorant art. Oh, that's interesting. And he goes, you know, why is it ignorant or whatever? And, and, and it's all of a sudden it's like opens up a whole new world. You have this high end, uh, lower, you know, Soho art world in Manhattan. And then all of a sudden for the first time they see this new genre, which is a intersection of graffiti but not really graffiti uh childlike drawing and really compositionally kind of fr almost uh free thinking right it's like free associative drawing mixed with a little graph because it's got letters randomness it's got this kind of like almost like new orleans kind of feel to it and they really love it and they buy it He's like, $10. And he's like, well, I'll give you $5. <laughs> and he goes, no, $10. Goes, okay, so Bruno, give him the money. So he gives him the money, and all of a sudden, boom, he's in the world. Then uh, then that one dealer sees his work, and the next thing you know, he becomes huge. And, and, and I think in the real world, uh, when Basquiat was there, they were really looking... And the art world is calculated like this, as fucked up as that is. They're looking for an artist, you know, who who was an African-American artist, right place, right time, to kind of put up there. And they knew that it would be big because his... We always talk about the art world really wanting things to be uh, authentic. What was more authentic than a guy who was Haitian? He was a graph writer, but he wasn't too graph. He wasn't too street and ornery. He wasn't like a, you know... Uh, a scene or a Dondi or someone who'll be like, oh, fuck you, man. I'm not going to be part of this shit. Or a Tracy 168 who's out of his fucking mind. No, he was willing to play the game. He was and he wanted to play the game. And like you said, he was highly, highly charismatic. So he was handsome. He was in shape. Uh, he was African-American. He was right place, right time. And you see it in the scene where Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken comes in and he goes, Hey, you, you know, what, what, do you, what do you say when they call you the, the pickaninny of the art world? He goes, uh, who, who says that? Who said that? He goes, uh, th that's Time Magazine. And he said, no, 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 they, they call me the Eddie Murphy of the art world, not the pickaninny. And he goes, 
Oh, my mistake. <laughs> you see what I'm like? There, it's really pointed. Yeah. And it's a little microaggressive act. Absolutely. And so he's navigating, he's navigating that world of being like, you know, I'm not a black artist. You know, I'm an artist. And I'm a good artist. I'm not just, you know, from the streets. So even though as much as he's he's he is a proxy and it's not being said that he's a proxy, I feel like uh he always has to fucking like reclaim his artistry without being muddied up with race, which is annoying, you know, because that was a time when there just wasn't a lot of like you know, Puerto Rican, African-American artists. It's interesting you say that because I believe one of the most successful elements of his work is the hybridity that so actively involves race and his experience as this black man navigating these worlds. And often he has symbols and signs that express an African heritage and he has crowns and he just has a lot of basic themes that he will return to again and again in his work. And something else that I think is successful about his oeuvre is that it's not too hard to read because the figures are very childlike and they say ignorant in in the film, but I, I think a, a naive or that that might be a less charged term. So the figures themselves look like they're childlike, they're accessible in that way. He has text, he has things that we can recognize like crowns. But to me, what's so engaging is that there's no narrative. So we think we're lured by the seduction that we know what we're seeing, but we really don't. And that there's something very intimate and very unknowable about a lot of his work. And this to me is illustrated in the fact that he will often write text and then cross it out, which is this genius strategy of concealing and revealing. On the one hand, he's showing us something, but on the other, he's drawing more of our attention to it because he's taking that away. Yeah, I I think that um, it feels like he's having a lot of fun. When, when after his show, he has a show... Uh, at this one gallery, very successful, and everybody's there. Bruno's there, Mary Boone is there, and he becomes, you know, you see it so fast, the rise of the artist. He becomes the it factor. He's the hot artist of the hour. And instead of going to the guy who really discovered him's table, right, he goes to Bruno's table with Mary Boone, Andy Warhol, and all the bigwigs, and the guy comes over there, and he's pissed off. And he's pissed off because... He, first of all, he sold the painting that he supposedly gave to him, right? That he wrote his name on and then crossed out. Like uh-huh, you said, Renee 511, which was the time that he gave it to him. So he then sits there and you could see the social climbing and the crowd. You could see the network is your net worth feeling and how quickly he goes from complete obscurity and poverty into being the hottest fucking artist in the world. The next scene is after his success, he's buying caviar, a $3,000 can of caviar with Andy War. Uh, Andy, can you pay for that? Oh, Basquiat, I'll pay for it. Right? I mean, that's so addictive. I can't even stop doing that fucking voice. He just killed that role. But like, when, I, I'm not a Basquiat fan. And I feel like Basquiat... I was reading the other day that, that Basquiat had sold that painting. Remember, I, I sent that to you for $110 million uh, last month to a Japanese billionaire who was then going to uh, leave it at his private gallery show. 
but I feel like I was never really a Basquiat fan. And I have to say, for the first time yesterday after re-watching it, when he was creating all those works in his giant studio, how much fun that looked and how the colors were really interesting and playful. And he wasn't restricted to do anything that anybody wanted him to do because he was really creating a, a real bubble and really creating for himself. And it reminded me of Picasso doing his shit in his studio and just having fun. And I feel like Basquiat was doing that. It was like working on multiple canvases at the same time, really having fun with it. And it had a genre. It had a real feeling about it. Like they all belong to what Roger, Roger Gassman calls a body of work. It felt like a real body of work. And you can really feel that in his work. And it's it was really cool. You know, as much as I say, like, I, I'm not going to put Basquiat on the top 100 artists, but I could say that, you know, he did his thing and, and I like some of his work. I also think that his work is courageous. You mentioned that it does have that sense of being a part of a body, which is true, but that body looks aesthetically connected, yet contextually and with regards to narrative, we don't really know what the story is. So we feel like we're a part of something bigger, but can't really understand what that is. And that sense of mystery to me is really interesting about Basquiat. But the other thing is that he was courageous in his departure from what everyone else in the art world was doing at the time. And in the 80s, we have people like Schnabel working, and Schnabel's aesthetic is very different. We have representational painters like Eric Fischel. And the 80s, what Basquiat was doing in the 80s is totally heterodox to what the art world was accepting. The pop aesthetic that Warhol forged is still really popular. And so the fact that he was able to bridge the gap between the graffiti aesthetic of the streets and the mainstream really precious, really, really white, pristine art world, that I think is phenomenal. And aesthetically, I'm not really engaged by his work either. It's not my particular taste, but I recognize that it was a total revolt and it changed the game. Yeah, I, I, I think Basquiat was, you know, once again, one of those steps that's necessary for the art movement. There's a lot of copycats. A lot of people are doing what Basquiat does. You know, like so many, it's like weird. Like everybody is copying his shit. And he is the hottest shit now. Like when you go to, when you look at what's going on at Christie's, it always seems to be another Basquiat selling for, you know, $100 million. It's just, it's absolutely staggering and stunning that this artist who really created on the street, you know, just because he loved to do it, much like Keith Haring and some other artists that have their genesis there, Banksy, Shepard Ferry, you know, you, you see like, wow, he can take this to successfully translate that on a canvas. And that's a hard thing to do, right? To successfully translate it onto a canvas because uh, usually you have artists who try to do it and it's much of the same. And I think that he had an original vision, an original voice, and it was really obscure enough where you spend a lot of time trying to decode it and decipher it. Much like when Walken says, you know, what is that? Is that a chicken? And he goes, no, it's a flea. And he goes, well, what's that? And he goes, it's a parasite. Hmm. He's like, what's the difference? You know, he's a, there's, there's nothing different, you know, but he's, who knows? Is it a commentary on the art world? Is it a commentary on, you know, him being asked those questions? Is it a, a commentary of, you know, he says that most, he doesn't know many, his work is unrefined because it's reflecting most people. He said he doesn't find most people refined. 
Yeah, I thought that was another interesting moment, too, when he says that. And also, is it a commentary on the consumer and what it is that we expect to know from the artist? That's right. Yeah. Because remember, think- you remember the de- when, when the couple, the you know, as often very wealthy collectors will come to the studio and they were like, so, you know, I, I really love it, but it's so green. I just don't know if I could just, you know, just it's just so green, you know? And then... He's like, I'm an artist, not a decorator. You know, and he walks out, he storms out. And then the second he leaves, the husband goes, we'll take it. The green one, we'll take yeah. it. Right? You know, <laughs> like, because they did, they love the fact that he's, uh, went into a tantrum. Sure, that he's asserting his authenticity and he's yeah. not just designing for your couch. Yeah, which is, you know, I think we see that in, uh, in, in the Woody Allen movie. Uh, was that Manhattan? Yeah. It was in Manhattan. Oh, so good. Such a good scene. You, you talk about that scene. I forgot exactly, but he was the same thing. He's like, I'm not, I'm not a decorator. Right. You know, he, he was, he was an artist and they just kind of were like, we'll take one of these and one of those. It's just like, dude, I'm a fucking artist. Like I create because I have to. And so there's the fine line, right? He creates because he has to on one hand, but on the other hand, he has to pander because he's at the galleries and he wants to sell work and he wants to be successful. And he's very opportunistic. Very which opportunistic. I think the film was incredibly successful and revealing. And I'm sure a lot of people knew that about Basquiat's personality anyway, but I have never seen it illustrated to the extent that I did in this movie. And the other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about with regards to the unknowability of his work is how that extends to his person, because we know that he died of a heroin overdose when he was very young. 27. 27, yeah. Same age as Egon Schiele, Mm, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. And the list goes on and oh, yeah, on. Yeah, that's the the cursed year. That's the cursed year. And isn't it interesting that a lot of the artists that we've talked about, like Jackson Pollock, even their careers were cut short. And I think that part of Thank this. Thank God for Jackson Pollock. <laughs> oh <Just> no, <laughs> different episode. <laughs> but we talk about this meteoric rise. But I think part of that meteoric rise is the fact that it was just thwarted prematurely. And what do you think would have happened to Basquiat's career, or? his art or his reputation in the art world if he had not died so young? I don't really know. I think that's a really good question. You know, I think that, uh, I I really don't know. I think that he, you know, a lot of people hit their pinnacle when they're young, you know, certainly musicians do. And I think he was a little bit like a rock and roll star. I don't know if he would have, I don't know if he would have gone further uh, but who knows and, and who cares because he was gone too soon and created some breathtaking work and certainly a genre that is here to stay. Now, if he didn't die of heroin, if he didn't have an overdose, I really don't know if he would have been as successful because once again, people are buying the idea. I'll give you a for example, not a really good one, but a, a horrible for example. I always liked Kurt Cobain, but then I kind of felt like, ah, oh, he's a fucking sellout. But then when he killed himself or died, uh, I was like, damn, his shit is real. Like his mm-hmm. angst was legit. So like, I feel like a lot of people like g- gravitate to that. Like when Basquiat stormed out and he's like, we'll take it. You know, Basquiat stormed out of life with a heroin overdose at a perfect time. 
So his work invariably became more valuable. It's the same thing with Van Gogh, had to mutilate himself and die at a you know mental institution. I know we want artists to be tortured. Yeah, we have a desire for the authentic. And so if you die of a heroin overdose and you're successful and you're from the streets and you were a, you know, a black man during that time in a very, very crispy white world, then we love that, which is sad. You know, it really fucking is sad. It's because incredibly it's really, myopic. You, you can't have a beautiful life. You can't have a normal white picket fence. You know, even if you're from poverty or from, you know, if you're from the hood or you're from Bev Hills, doesn't matter. People want to buy into the story. So people are buying the story. And the story was glamorous. The story was gritty. And I think that really added to the impact that Basquiat was able to make. Like you say, right place, right time. And to me, the significance of his practice is really in what he sparked. And I think the relationship with Warhol is very interesting. Yes. And something that the film doesn't go into as much as I was interested in in learning is Basquiat's bisexuality. And I know that we're about to talk about Frida, which is an interesting counterpart to this discussion because in that film, Frida's bisexuality is all over the place. But in this one, in Schnabel's version of Basquiat's story, it is really underrepresented, if represented at all. And so I think there's kind of a gender commentary in that too, that women it's easier to associate women with their bodies and easier to associate men with their work. And Maybe I, that's why Christopher Walken said he was the Eddie Murphy of the art world because of his bisexuality. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, if you haven't seen Basquiat, see Basquiat. I think, I think the movie is absolutely incredible. There's another movie that I haven't seen called The Radiant One, I believe. I heard my friend Alex said that that is the best Basquiat movie ever. Okay, so we then, should watch you know, it together. You should, yeah, we should definitely watch that. And uh, and check out Basquiat. It's, he's important. And uh, and if you want to also know something really important, go to Tommy John. Get some underwear. <laughs> oh, my you God, know, that's so good. Important underwear. <laughs> and uh, put in Art Attack, and you'll get 20% off. If you go to Tommy John's website and you put in the coupon Art Attack. And in the meantime, <laughs> thank you for discussing Basquiat with us. That was really amazing. Yeah, that was Welcome really Welcome to fun. Art Attack. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> review our show. <laughs> yeah, definitely give us a review <laughs> if you like it. Uh, don't give us anything less than five stars. Okay, thank you so much. Bye-bye. 